It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring special guest stars, Mr. Chuck Henry and Stephen Baird. Yeah, baby. Welcome to the big show. I am scared to death. We're doing a remote, and we're already having our first problem, and that is the chat room's not working, uh, even though I click chat. Uh, so we're going to use the social stream, which Bria is probably telling you guys to go to. Uh, at least you'll be able to type stuff in there. In any case, uh, I'm really excited to be doing this. We are doing this from Chuck's condominium in beautiful downtown Hollywood, California. <laughs> Smile, Chuck. <laughs> so here we are in the kitchen. Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> You guys may remember uh, Chuck and Steve did an episode with us in October of 2014, I believe. It's been a while. One of our most popular episodes ever. And so today we are going to build a couple of tracks from uh, Chuck's condo. Um, here, I'm going to pan around and show you. This is the condo. Here's his aquarium with artifacts <laughs> no fish just whatever people throw in there <laughs> so all right uh, this is it Chuck often calls this the uh, what do you call this place the the condo that the condo the taxi paid for <laughs> something like that he, I was here about a week ago and he was or a few days ago, and he was thanking me up and down. I said, hey, dude, it's not taxi. We just opened the door. And uh, without his talent and hard work, um, he wouldn't be living in this opulent place. So anyway, come on into the studio. Why don't you guys go in first, because I'm going to have to follow you in to get my location. So here we are in the studio. See, Chuck is obviously a fan of The Simpsons and not a fan of putting his cables in <laughs> <laughs> nice, neat order. And I'm going to have to do a little uh, maneuvering with the camera, obviously. So, no normal chat, but the video stream will do what we need it to do. <laughs> I left my crew at home. Okay, so let's see. And there we have it. We are looking at the screen. So, oh, I wanted to show you guys. Um, shoot, I shouldn't have taken it down. <laughs> All right, bear with us, folks. Okay, uh, so people are going to ask, what's a studio like? Well, there's limited outboard, a video machine, three-quarter inch deck, um, a crown amp, not a whole bunch of stuff, a rolling box, a couple of rolling boxes down there. Like old stuff, that just sort of old stuff decoration. Yeah. It makes it, 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 it look like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, 
and there is Roland RD 700 GX. All right, so there we are back on the shot. Okay, so what we're going to do is Chuck has built a, uh, you're going to have to speak pretty loudly so the mic picks you up loudly. Chuck has built a hip hop track. And what we're going to do is talk about how he built this hip hop track. So before we get started, I want to ask you, uh, he, he's been doing this so long that he really doesn't have to think a lot about what he's doing. So I said, well, for the purpose of some of our viewers who don't do this for a living yet, let's talk about it. So how long do you lay out the drum beat for? Well, the, each track, cue, whatever, optimal length is eight is minute 30 to two minutes. Okay, so a minute to two minutes, and then need to speak up a little more because we're competing with the fan oh, on the amp. I can't so, right now. Okay, is the amp, are we going to hear stuff coming out of the well, monitor? Well, I mean, once we start playing. Oh, okay. Well, that you're going to be talking in. Oh, I get it. All right, so anyway, um, so you lay out the beat, and you decide what you're going to, how do you pick a beat? And how do you know what you're going to do? What's your thought process? I might not have a beat in some tracks. Okay, well, let's, for the sake of this one, because it's hip-hop, you mm -hmm. had to come up with a beat. So yeah. where do you start? Well, how do you know what kind of beat? Do you build the beat? Do you take it from a, a loop library? How long does it take you to come Actually, up with it? Well, both. Sometimes I'll use it's a loop. Sometimes I'll build it from scratch, program it, and mix it together, which is what I did on this one, actually. And, okay, the audio level drops significantly. Um, okay, so here, I'm going to move this over here so we can get even more volume out of you. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I just moved the mic a little closer to Chuck's face. So how do you pick the beat? How do you know where to start? What do you do? What's the very first thing you do when you come into the studio to create a track, a hip-hop track specifically? Well, as I was saying, they're all different. This one, I started with building a groove first, and then layered over loops on top of that. Okay. But sometimes I might start with a riff first. Uh, like a guitar riff or a Could keyboard be. riff? Could be. Okay. Or for a cool sound or a percussion groove. It's just so explain to them, then just start talking and show them what you did with this one so that they can understand how you build it. You want to play it from the beginning first? Yeah, you know what, let's, uh, we'll do that. Let's play it all the way through. If you want to talk over it, just make sure that you speak loudly enough. Okay.
stuff down below there where each little part is laid out and why don't you just go through what you did uh well, you start from the beginning i guess yeah, yeah. both the things so, absolutely um start with the cake pattern i could have programmed this but i found a kick loop that had the right rhythm and the right sound so i'm like well why not so this is a loop that i found So the loop was at 90, 95. This track is at 100, so of course I had to speed it up. So then I found a snare, which I liked. I actually mixed two snares together. Basically, that gave me the kick and snare for the track. Alright, you need more stuff in there, right? Yeah. Uh, Although, as I said earlier, I, I heard a track last night on TV that was basically that with a bass. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I wanted more stuff in this. Um, so, like, Looked around, I found the shaker, which is a weird list to see in there. I just put this. And that's it. Which is kind of strange. So, like, alright, it's going to take some cutting up on that one. And also had to speed it up, and that became this. Which Except what we have so far is this. It's starting to sound like something. Yeah. Oh, let's see what we need next. Hi, guys. Get this in even closer. You're coming through? Yeah. I'm just getting in a little. Getting in tighter on my shot. There we go. Okay. And some hi hat. 
kind of a strange pattern, but it works. Stop. And so where do you grab these elements from? Oh god, I mean I have like an arsenal of samples and loops and different libraries that I've bought over the years and also have one virtual instruments. So earlier you said you don't spend a lot of time on each thing. Oops. Uh, you don't spend a whole lot of time on each thing, that you won't sit there and belabor the point, that you just go for the groove and you won't sit there and like yeah, side, I mean, side chain a snare drum or do well, anything. Yeah, but I mean, if I'm looking for a kick drum sound or some kind of cool loop, I'm not going to sit there for 30, 45 minutes, you know, going through 100 different sound with loops and I find the right one. If I come across one that I like, let's go with that. So where do you, I mean, you've laid down the kick, you've laid down the snare, and now you're going to go with the shaker. So you just open up one of your libraries and just go shaker, shaker, shaker. Oop, I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Pretty so easy. If I sit there, you know, for 30 minutes, listen to every damn shaker loop that I have, you know, it's going to just my ears get fried and you waste a lot of time. But work. I, I think a lot of people make that mistake of belaboring the point on a particular instrument. Don't overthink. Don't take so much time trying to find one little sound. If it, if it works, if it hits you, just go with it. Okay. And so what'd you do next? I have this little funky, uh, this is that pop sound kind of thing. It's basically invested thus far when you're actually building this? Would this have taken two or three hours or 20 minutes? If I'm actually sitting here and not screwing around going somewhere else or yeah. going to skydeck for a beer or right. something. Yeah, if you're actually working, Chuck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 um, this much so far might be half an hour. Okay, fair enough. Then it takes time to do all the time compression for all the all the waveforms to get them in the right tempo and land them in there. Yeah, about half an hour. Are you guys uh, watching this online? Hearing uh, it's funny. I'm standing like four feet away from the microphone. Chuck's about eighteen inches, and I can see a lot more my level than his. But are you guys hearing everything okay? And while you're getting ready to answer me on that, somebody said, "Would this type of song get accepted for a hip hop listing?" Yes. <laughs> That's the answer. Somebody asked earlier, um, 
Is this a track that's out there in the world already, or is this something this, you just no, built recently? I just started three weeks ago. Okay. So it's not quite, it might be finished, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so what did you do next? Put a, um, I'm going to fill in there that might work, so this is what I think. I don't know what that is, but chop it up, it works good for a fill. So that's all through here. And then I went, like, okay, time for the bass. So sometimes I'll play a bass part in. By with an actual bass guitar? Sometimes that, sometimes myself with a bass sound from the keyboard or computer. This happened to be a bass loop that I found that actually part of it works. I was like, yeah, I'll try it. It works. I'll crack it. That's some weird stuff in here. But I got rid of all that. I'm going to move this over a little bit so that people are saying it's kind of hard to hear you. Um, yeah, I'm going to get as close as I can. The microphone is now really close. <laughs> it's like 12 inches away from the face. So this became the new baseline. And put in the track. Now it's going to start adding cool sounds. So, did you do any compression or anything, or work hard to make that bass sound? Oops. But you just took it and. Oh, look, I don't think I. Yeah, I did. Actually, I put a R bass and way to get a little more bass to it. A little more bass, bass dynamics. I can't say the word. More of a bass. More, it just brings out the bass harmonics. Okay. So I was like, okay, now time to find some other cool sounds. So I think it's just a synth sound. But it works. inspired you to add that hey how did you come up with that I was just going through sounds that I have and I found that and I said, let me try it now you can't do it the whole way through you see here yeah that's a really important uh, thing people should see how the parts are laid out because this is a particular track right here so where is it's right here's right here's right that's what it looks like the loop Now chopped up and interspersed here and there. Why is my phone still on that spot? <laughs> it's my landline. I use my landline to call my cell phone when I can't find it. No one ever.
with some crash symbols. pieces are laid out almost like a jigsaw puzzle, but they're not all playing constantly. And I found this uh, set kind of loose. versus too much stuff? Um, you can just tell if it gets stuff gets cluttered and there's too much stuff happening, it's like overload. Yeah. It starts messing with dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Less is more. You said that the other day. It's, it's a point worth repeating. Less is more. Mm -hmm. um, how long did it take you to learn that, to get kind of an internal gut feeling on, okay, I think I've taken this far enough. Did you used to put a lot more in, and when you listen to your old stuff now, regret it when you listen back to the yeah, old stuff? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, what's next? Uh, so I had this guitar loop I found. I chopped it up and put all these bits and pieces here and there, like just in the purple part. So, did you play that? No, that's that's, that's a loop. Okay. Um, some of the people are asking, did you use any real instruments on this at all? In this one, um, no. Okay. So this guitar right here. Yeah. background, but... 
and it doesn't feel stiff. That guitar actually added a lot of humanity to the track. Some guy named Bubba sitting over in the corner with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I prefer to hire real musicians, but you can't do it every single track because right. expensive. But anyways, so now I've got this kind of cool box loop. laid out. You can see that when one thing's happening, nothing else is. When something else is happening, the other thing's not. Yeah. Everything's got its place. It's not playing the right rhythm now. I had this set, so I don't know why it's changed, but because Chuck, this is the day where nothing's gonna go, go right on taxi <laughs> I just checked it earlier, it was playing the right rhythm. Now it's well it's alright. I right, it was really cool. I wanted to show this. Oh my god. Well, maybe I'll try it. How's your deodorant working right now? <laughs> Well, anyways, it's a really cool virtual <laughs> instrument, and this is the uh, what came out. What did I do in a second? Why is it doing this? Because it's live TV. That's why. It's all planned out. Of this part, just wanted to fill it up some more. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, this is melee acting mode. Let me show you how I did it. First, I'll play it. He's playing a keyboard. I'm not going to swing the camera around and lose the shot. <laughs> he actually has his hands on an instrument. Yeah. So this is Thank you. 
that had to be pitched way down though and sped up. So in the track it sounds like. So play it down one time from the top and kind of shout out, okay, uh, first of all, you're calling it a bridge and verses, but it's not laid out like a typical song no. where there would be an intro, you know, the first verse, uh, a pre-chorus and a chorus. So really your verses are essentially like a chorus part uh, in a regular song. And so you've got an A section and a B section, right? Pretty yeah. Okay, so um, that considered... Start at the top and call out, okay, here's, you know, how many bars before you introduce new stuff, I guess is what I'm looking for. So okay. that people can get a better grasp on, uh, you know, leaving it a little skinny on the front end and then building it up, you know, in the second, what you would call second verse. Uh, how many verses are there's, there before okay, you go to the bridge? There's three. The first one is just sort of introducing it, kind of like an intro. The second verse has the melody in it. In the third verse, I added the funk guitar. Okay, so just another Those layer to keep it moving yeah. forward. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and play it from the top and kind of call out the parts, and here comes the so-and-so, and notice this and notice that. Okay. Um, intro fill and two verse, what do you call it, Brown. Section A. Yeah. There you go. All right. A section.
right there. Check that out. It's very quick, but there's that little millisecond of silence. Hear that? So that's one bridge. They seem to be liking it. Okay. So, uh, how many bars are in the entire piece from top to bottom? Not quite sure. <laughs> I to go. It's two minutes, exactly. Two okay. minutes in each piece. Yeah, it's, it's exactly two minutes. Um, um, I'll tell you the bars actually. Let's see. 50. Uh, 50 bars. All right, so 50 bars. So. Uh, do you do it in four bar increments, and do you make that decision when you start laying it out? Uh, yeah, that looks pretty good, I think. Um, hey, go back to the A section for a second. I have a used marker of points in this. I've done it. Go back. Actually, eight bar increments. It's each section is eight bars. Okay, so each section is eight bars. So I noticed, like in the A section, or the first section of the A section, mm -hmm. um, that it's probably then four bars with just one group of instruments playing, and you start bringing in stuff more in, layers. in the second four bars. And then in the next A section, because we're still on the A section, so it's eight more bars, and now you bring in more stuff. Mm -hmm. And then even more stuff in the back of that A section, and then you go into the bridge. Which is bridge is like kind of balls to the wall, going into that big edit point. And then what happens? Bring it back down again for the fifth first right. the A section. So when you bring it back down, when you go to the the A section again after the bridge, uh, do you bring it back down to as skinny as it was in the beginning or close to that? This was very close. The only thing that's different is I added that Indian percussion in there. Okay. Or in that, it's just like the very first eight bars. And then everything's in for the final eight. Okay. Great. Let's listen to it one more time. Um, They're like, no, no. <laughs> Actually, the social stream seems to have stopped on me. Are you guys still in there? I'm a testing 
send. I see it takes uh, 10 seconds after you type something into the social stream before it shows up. They want to make sure you don't do something stupid. Yeah, there it is. All right. Uh, I'm not seeing any questions in the social stream. Don't know why. And I wish the chat room was working, but this is what you get when you do live. <laughs> um, yeah, play it one more time from the top before we uh, head upstairs and do Steve's thing. And count the bars out to me and say, okay, you know, A section, now here's bar five through eight or something like that, just to give them a sense for how it's built. Okay. Uh, first, A section. What genre is that? I mean, it's obviously hip hop. But I guess what mood is this? Would you say it's for a party scene? Is it a scene with two guys in a car heading out to get into some trouble? Is it that would be this would be something that might work on Love and Hip Hop? Okay, which is a very popular show on VH1. And you've had a zillion placements on that, right? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good show. Okay. Uh, okay. Stay tuned. They have Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Love and Hip Hop Hollywood is Love and Hip Hop. I've had Love significant placements on Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> like 10K quarter type things. <laughs> Steve's saying he's had significant placements on uh, Love and Hip Hop, like $10,000 worth a quarter. Yeah. Wow. Love and Hip Hop. Not every quarter, but like I've right. seen a couple In quarters. In a quarter. Where, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that's, that's been it does really well. Yeah. Cool. All right. So. Uh, it's frustrating. Um, it was working before, wasn't it? The chat? 
Were the social stream or? Uh, so yeah, social stream's working. Oh, um, okay, can you zoom to the extent of the Is that what you're talking about, Andy? Uh, is is the kick drum very full in the low end, hard to hear through my earphones? Yeah, it's pretty significant. I mean, in the room here, it sounds great. It sounds really well balanced. And notice they didn't like spend three hours mixing it. I mean, you had a pre-mix before we started, but yeah. Uh, so, how long would it take you to do this whole thing from top to bottom? Um, I, a day, if I'm really working hard. I don't like to do really more than one a day, and but that's my technique. That's about it. That way, I can, uh, you know, give it a break, go away for a bit. Come back and have you know have fresh ears and about a day for a track. Okay. I mean, we could go for more. I'll come back to it, put away for a week, come back to it, and. Um, how long do you make your cues on average? Average a minute thirty to two minutes. Okay. Always better to go a little long. I mean, for people that are just starting out, people say, "Why can't I do a thirty-second cue?" My answer is typically because then the editor has to work to edit if they need, you know, yes. I tried that one time years ago, and the supervisor told me, because I thought, well, they only use like 15 to 20, 25 seconds anyway. Why not just make them 30-second cues? He's right. like, no, don't, don't do that. I mean, we'll still use these, but for now, I'll make them full lengths, like a minute 30 or two, because it gives the editors more, more options. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> It's all about, so, that's how you get used, by giving them options. But those have still been used a lot, even though they're like less than 30 seconds. All right. Uh, McGayeth wants to know if you can show them the audio wave. For what? Of the song, like uh, like you'd see on SoundCloud. Oh, I haven't mixed it down yet, so I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have a stereo mix. <laughs> Doesn't have a stereo mix, so no, you can't. Sorry about that. Uh, I could do one real quick. But. Does hip hop require a rap or can it be instrumentals? Uh, well, like Watch Love and Hip Hop, it's mostly instrumental hip hop and urban. I mean, they have some vocal tracks on there, but yeah, this is, this is instrumental. You know, here, here's a great example of where this would be is uh, the Kia Soul car commercials mm -hmm. with the giant hamsters or rats or whatever <laughs> they are. You know, they jump in a car and they're driving through town being really badass. Mm -hmm. This would be perfect for that. I actually got started doing hip-hop years ago from a taxi listing looking for 30-second hip-hop cues for a movie. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I can do hip-hop. So I made about, I don't know, five or six, and uh, they got forwarded. Didn't ever hear back from it. It was for a movie, like I said, or something, but never heard back. Three years later, I got somehow hooked up with the uh, supervisor who was doing Pimp My Ride MTV. Yeah, I remember that show. And I was like, oh, 
remember I did those hip hop tracks for that taxi listing three or four years ago, but I thought they were kind of good. Let me go check them out. So I was like, hmm, sounds kind of good actually. So I submitted them. He called me about, I don't know, three or four months later and said, yeah, man, I like the beats. I'm like, oh, he likes my drum grooves. Okay. I didn't know what beats meant. <laughs> right. Found out later that actually meant tracks. So from there, um, he started using them on the show and he eventually became the head of MTV Music and turned me on to a bunch of other supervisors. So that's basically how I got started was from that taxi listing looking for hip hop. Wow. And that made me do it. It's like, well, I think I could maybe do some hip hop. You've done well. It's been good. Well, awesome. Uh, let's move upstairs. And I think what we're going to do is I'm going to take the camera off of here. And if you could bring this okay. mic stand up. Oh, a taxi member just IM'd me. I guess he's watching the show. You could tell Michael he might be logged into his other channel. It's happened before. Whatever that means. Well, if they can see the show, then they're on. The, then I'm on the right channel, and they're on the right channel. I tried that, but tell them <laughs> thanks for the suggestion. All right, so we are now going to head upstairs, and Chuck, can you follow me up with the mic stand? Yes. All right, go into the sky deck. See if I can make it up the stairs without tripping. I'll try to catch you. Yeah, trashing the computer. All right, so here we are. We are outside in beautiful downtown Hollyweird. <laughs> Right across from TV Guide. Little patio furniture action going on. And Steve created this track largely on the airplane coming out here uh, Tuesday. And he's going to be working from laptop. And you're, he's coming through these Bose speakers that are on the ground. I'm going to put my laptop down now. Yeah, good idea. Okay. We'll go downstairs and log in to watch it. <laughs> Very. Can I go downstairs and watch it? <laughs> Oops, I can you make a rip off about eight inches oh. of tape, please? So just so you guys know, what Steve is going to play is a song versus a track. Thank you. And uh, this has a Chinese vocal on it. Yes. <laughs> I've got my masking tape. <laughs> very, very pro-operation. <laughs> wow. can see it fairly well, considering... I'll zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to speak fairly loudly because we're competing with the outside noise. All right. So, uh, what do you want to tell us about this? Um, so, uh, this is a, uh, it's not a cue, it's, a, it's an actual full song. So, um, it's so weird. I'm getting more of me than 
I am of you. I'm tempted. Maybe the mic's just on this side. I wonder. No, I don't have enough room to do it. Shit. Who wrote this? Uh, it'll be upside down. Oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's the situation. You're just going to have to speak loudly. Okay, so this is a, this is a song um, versus a cue. So with a song, I generally spend a lot more work uh, than I do on, on a cue. Um, part of the reason for that is I feel a lot of times whenever you're going for a song placement. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're getting so little level. I'm actually getting way more level. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to move this whole rig on the other side of you so I that can, the... Uh, we can maybe move this here. Here. Like I can just sit in this chair. Yeah, here. Just flip your rig around. Okay, now talk. Go. Yep. Okay, so uh, yeah, I put, I put a lot more work into to songs than I do with uh, cues, mainly because, um, in my opinion, a lot of times when you're going for song placements, you can be competing against. Because uh, there's a lot of indie artists, bands that you know have uh, some kind of a library deal or a publishing deal, and so you can be competing with um, an EDM artist or a rock band or whatever that. That's all they do. They have like you know twelve songs. That's you know they put everything into that. Um, so I feel like you should kind of put a little bit more effort um, in, into the into the songs uh, because especially now it's just like you know it's getting more and more competitive. Uh, so see, I've got quite a bit of stuff going on here. Um, this is a uh, it's a Chinese EDM track for a library, um, and uh, it was sent uh, to me as a vocal demo with a. Um, the production already put to it, and then my job was to uh, produce it into more of an upbeat uh, EDM type of, of track. So I guess uh, we'll we'll play it through from the yeah from play the it through from the beginning. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully everything comes through here. Okay. So so what we have because this is still a work in progress. Um, basically, just the uh, intro uh, verse into the hook, and then it's kind of like a little breakdown thing. That's what we'll be here. Here we go.
Okay. Uh, people want to know what uh, workstation you're using. I'm using Ableton. Um, so for EDM, I highly recommend Ableton. Another one that's really popular is uh, Fruity Loops, which I believe only works on Windows-based machines. Uh, Ableton is cross-platform. Uh, the reason why is just the uh, just the workflow. Um, it is just set up. It's just made for uh, doing music like this. Um, I was on Logic before, and uh, I still like Logic for doing when I'm doing rock music or um, funk or anything like that. But for EDM, I just I I can't use Logic anymore. <laughs> I, I have to use uh, Ableton. It just, it just works so much better. So I was moving stuff around and wasn't paying uh, as close attention as I would have liked when you were explaining. So you already explained that you laid this out like a song and not like a cue? Okay. Um, and how long is this track or song? Um, this track right now, it's going to probably be about three minutes. Uh, right now, it's right under two minutes. Okay. And uh, so it's got an intro, but you said earlier before we started the show that if you were going to use this as a track, uh, for library or for TV, show them where you would start it. Yeah, so if this was going to be, if, if I was doing this as a, uh, you know, an instrumental um, EDM cue, uh, all of this kind of slow intro stuff I, I wouldn't use. I would start um, something like this. I might double this little build, but I'd pretty much start it like this. <laughs> have a short intro, I probably would double that build um, and then just go right into the, the meat of the song because for cues that's what matters. It needs to go kind of, you know, right off the bat you need to go into your, um, to, they need, the editors need to know what the, what the track is about. Like, you know, uh, is this a party track? Is this a, you know, they don't, they don't want to wait, for, you know, for it to, to build up into whatever it's going to be. Whereas with a vocal song you have a little bit more of the U.S. because you have the vocal that comes in, the vocal can kind of, um, or not kind of, but it definitely it, it kind of uh, it, uh, it, it makes the track. Like you, once you hear the vocal, you're like, okay, I, I know like what this is going to be, where it's going, um, and also it just kind of keeps it more uh, interesting. So you can kind of ride the the instrumental build down a little bit longer with the vocal because people are listening to the vocals and the, and the lyrics. Um, so you did almost all of this on the plane. Mostly. Uh, and how did you do that without a keyboard? Uh, uh, so I actually have a little, uh, I can't remember what it's called, it's a little miniature uh, travel keyboard. A key, you know, Let me get it? Uh, sure. It's, yeah, uh, it's, why not? It's pretty cute. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's actually the perfect little little travel keyboard. Uh, I think it was about 40 or 50 bucks, maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. So yeah, so I had, I had, I had that laid down. Um, you know, some of, some of the stuff I, I'll actually draw in, uh, the, the MIDI notes, um, especially if I'm working on a laptop. Uh, but yeah, for like the, the lead part, um, I, I played that on the, the little mini keyboard thing. What did the person next to you on the plane think? <laughs> he wasn't even paying attention. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's probably he looks like he looks like somebody that's made the Atlanta to uh, Los Angeles trip several times, so he's probably used to it by now. <laughs> he's <laughs> he was probably just, just happy I didn't pull a ukulele out. Keyboard, <laughs> <Right>. keyboard. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is a, a all right. Hold it up in front of the camera. Uh, yeah, drop it down a little. There you go. It's a great little uh, keyboard. It's pretty tough. Um, and yeah, it, it works. I like it better than you know, like the bulkier ones that you see that, that I used to have, one of the M-Audio ones. But that one works really great for traveling on uh, airplanes. 
fit it on your on your uh, little lap tray. Um, Richard Charles is asking, does he also use the push controller? I do. I do have the push controller. I don't even know what a push controller is, so go uh, ahead and explain that. It's great. So it's uh, it, it's well, I mean, it's just a controller for Ableton, and they just kind of made it to where it was like a uh, like a seamless integration of the software and hardware. Yeah. It was kind of what I was hoping machine was going to be, but machine was just just I, I I just I gave up on that thing pretty quick. Um, but the the push controller is great. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, you've got a bunch of pads, and you can do um drum mapping on there and you can actually you can set scales and so it's really cool uh it, it's it's cool one because you know you can use um a lot of the, the knobs instead of always clicking on a mouse to, to adjust um you know thresholds and, and volume and whatnot but then also it's cool because it helps you think outside of the box a little bit uh because you can you can set scales you know and then you know on the pads can't hit a wrong note. You're in that scale all the time, so it can kind of make you think. You know, you might not normally use a certain scale. So right. You just kind of poke that on there, and then be like, all right, and you just start, you know, playing around on it, and you kind of come up with some cool, cool ideas that you might not otherwise have uh, thought of. But yeah, I, I do use the push controller, and I love it. So the amazing thing about this is that most of this was done on an airplane in a four-hour flight, and that. You know, people will go out and spend just ridiculous sums of money, or a lot of people don't start because they think they've got to spend five grand or ten grand or twenty grand uh, on stuff. And you did this on a fifteen hundred dollar laptop, and how much was the Ableton Live? Uh, well, Ableton by itself is like five hundred bucks, I think. Okay. Um, and then with a the push controller, I think it's another five hundred. But yes, right. so, but I mean, obviously, you don't need the push control on the airplane. Right. So yeah, Ableton and then uh, some Waves plugins and some synths. So, yeah, not, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, and, studio equipment. And you don't have to have a fancy room. No. Um, you don't have to spend a fortune on acoustic treatment. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me. Uh, I mean, a laptop. We're talking, uh, uh, you know, 13-inch MacBook Pro probably. An old one, too. Like, 2013. <laughs> wow, okay, so a three-year-old, you know, computer that uh, is, uh, how much RAM do you have in it? I don't even know. I think maybe four, something like that. Wow. I'm not sure. Making me feel pretty good about my new laptop with 16 yeah. gigs of RAM. In yeah, it definitely <laughs> doesn't have 16. I know that. Maybe it has eight. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's not, not a whole lot. So uh, let's break it down. Start playing some track-by-track track stuff and explain what okay. you did and why you did um, So, like I said, I, I, got a, I, got, I got the vocals mainly, and then I built the track around the vocals. Um, so we'll, we'll start, we'll, we have a couple different vocal parts, and then this will just kind of explain why. Because usually with an arrangement, um, with an EDM track, I'll start pretty much slow like I did, and then I'll kind of just slowly build it up. Was this one, it, it started off with you know some eighth notes, and then it kind of dropped, and then it started building again. And the reason why is because the way the vocals were. So, you got, you know, this vocal part here. And I felt like that vocal had a little bit uh, too much energy for me to just kind of hold some chords right. and pad it out. So that's why I, I kind of started off with a, little, with a little bit more energy. But then the next part here. And that part, for some reason, I just felt like that was a little more chill. So that's why I, I decided to kind of drop things out. And then, of course, the big build is. Uh, <laughs> 
that's why I decided to kind of have a little bit more energy up front with the eighth notes and then kind of drop it down and then go, you know, real crazy for the, uh, for the big build. And also I want to say, you know, having a good top line writer, um, uh, like this, 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 this girl here is actually phenomenal, uh, really helps your songs. So that's a, that's a tip I would, I would, I would give is uh, don't just use anybody, make sure it's somebody that has, you know, good top line. Well, let's ability. talk about that. I mean, where did the genesis of this, did she come to you with a melody? I mean, obviously the lyrics are in Chinese, so we don't know what right. the hell she's saying. Right. But, but um, did she come to you with a song idea? Did she have the chords and the lyric? So, so this is, this is interesting. So actually, um, I got hooked up with this girl through a publisher that I met at a taxi rally years ago. Okay. And he, you know, got a gig uh, with another company that needed um, Chinese instrumentals. And so, you know, he contacted me to do that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So then we had to find vocalists. And I, I don't know if she approached him or, or how it happened, but yeah, he, he found her and, and hooked us up. And she's actually, um, she's actually well known in China. She's like a TV show host and an actress and a great vocalist, great writer. Um, just a really talented girl, actually. Um, she speaks three languages. So, yeah, maybe wow. I'll do some English stuff with her, too, or French. Yeah, she speaks French, English, and Mandarin. Fluent. Makes me feel stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes me feel stupid and very untalented. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you get from her? How, wait. So, I got, actually, I think I have it here still. So, the original track that I got, um, well, I've got it cut up a little bit here, but I can play some of it for you. So, this was the original track. actually produced that too so okay. she does production as well wow yeah Talented lady. yeah and re yeah really great um so the, the the thing here is uh so this particular company they want it to be more uh upbeat so i think um like so all of this is fine in the uh in the, the first part but the hook is is not quite as uh, i think not quite as energetic as is what they're wanting um <laughs> It sounds great, but they're wanting something. Right, it's got more. the tempo, but it's yeah, got, yeah, got no bottom end, it's got yeah, no kick. Yeah, they want more. Right. So, yeah. And that's that's kind of where I came. So I, this is the, the demo that I got, and then I uh, you know, took her vocals and, uh, and did Stripped them off of that? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, where did you start? So uh, generally where I will start is I will try to find a good kick sound. Um, so when I do kicks, I like to do, I like to have two. I usually like to have one that's kind of like the punchy kick with the attack and then the sub. A lot of these kicks with the, the like, so this is, so I'll, I'll say for, I know everybody's going to ask what, where do I get my kick samples. So I've got kick samples from all over the place in synthesizers and drum machines. And the ones that I find that I keep going back to are the ones from Vengeance. 
Uh, so, you know, they have their, their club sound series, they have the deep house, they have the house, you know, all those have great kick sounds, and they, they just have some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a punch to them that I, I can't find with, with other kicks. So I just find that I, I keep going back to them over and over again. So with the, uh, the, the first kick, I'll find one that I like the attack on. And usually they will have uh, some sub-frequencies in there too. Um, so here's what it sounds like. So it's more of a punchy knock. Now this, the original uh, file actually had a more, let me pull it out here, had more uh, bass in it. What I usually do, because I like to layer my kick, so I like to have the sub separate so I have a little bit more control, is I will um, basically cut the tail end of uh, the, the kick with the attack. So here's, here's what the original sample sounds like. I don't know if it's coming through over this microphone, but it's got more bottom end. It's more uh, bassy. It's got some sub frequencies, and which is fine. But the problem is, is I'm going to be layering in the uh, the sub, and so whenever I've got sub frequencies in the that one kick, and then I've got sub frequencies here, then you start getting they start to kind of uh, clash with each other a little bit. Or they so, cancel each other out because of phasing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you just it just doesn't work all that great, and you just end up. So let's hear them each separately. So. And, and, yeah. Okay, so this, so this, I'll play the. This is the original one again, with the bass. Then what I did was I cut the, I cut the tail here. You can see I kind of I faded them here, so that it sounds like this. All right, so that's the attack, and then this is the sub one. So together, and both of these are from Vengeance packs. Okay, so uh, the first bass I use is from Contact, and it's under, if you go just the stock Contact library, you go to, uh, I think, Synth, and go under Bass, and click Adrenaline Bass, and then I think they have, like, Flange or some kind of phase thing on there. Turn that off, and then you get this nice, just kind of, it's a very generic, nothing special bass, but I find that it does a really good job of uh, filling out the low end of your track. So yeah, so you're probably not going to hear this at all, but I'll play it anyways. Yeah, it's really low. That's like 60 hertz low. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really low. 
Um, so then I brought in uh, a base from uh, Spire, um, kind of like a future house base. And this one uh, is not so much for the bass, but it's more for the, the more the high end part of it, the, the sound of it. There's still bass in there, but it's got that kind of you know, more high end. That yeah, it's got a little more attack. Too. Yes, yes. It's got a very rubber bandy sound. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one is, uh, and I did a little bit of a different rhythm on here just to kind of shake things up a little bit. Uh, this is a Nexus patch that I that I changed up a little bit. And this is this is for to, to give it more attack as well. So then all together again. And so the way that you can to keep uh, the bass the bass instruments from uh, clashing and getting messy with the, the kicks that are that have a lot of bass in them as well is by side chaining. So you can side chain with compressors. There's a great plugin also from uh, I think they're called Killworth Audio. They have a lot of great plugins actually. Uh, they have one called Multiband Side Chain Compression. I think is what it's called. And essentially you can just drag and drop. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm using it on any of these. I oh, am. Yeah, here it is. So you just drag and drop, and you've got all kinds of cool settings. Like just the initial presets actually. Um, they have all kinds of cool different side chaining uh, presets on here, and you can just kind of toggle through them and you know tweak it here if you want. Um, and what that does is it basically it causes the uh, the instrument to to duck out, the volume to kind of duck out, so that it's making room for the kick, and it gives that kind of pumping effect. Um, what I like to do a lot of times on bass though is I will like on this one I did it uh, is I will actually go in and I'll automate the uh, volume. So then I, I get it to, to cut to cut out. Um, but so one of the things with side chaining, I noticed with the compression is it will kind of you know like compression does what it does. It kind of sucks out some of the dynamics. So it will suck out some of the low end. And sometimes if if I if I do too much of that, it, it, it kind of kills too much low end for me. So what I will do is I'll I'll go in and I'll just automate the ducking with uh, the volume. Also instead of side chaining with a compressor or that plugin that I mentioned. I will draw in the automation so that then I get the, the bass out of the way of the kick, but then when it comes back in, it still has some bass to it. It, it, isn't, it isn't, you know, there's nothing sucking out the, the, the bass to it. So if I, uh, let's see here, let me, uh, so I'll, I'll play, what I'll do is I'll play the basses and the, uh, the kicks together so you can see how that sounds. Well, and I'll also have a crash cymbal in there. Sweet, but that's okay. All right, so you'll when I play this, you'll be able to hear how the, the bass kind of ducks in and out. So if I wasn't side chaining or doing this autumn uh, volume automation. It would be a big bassy mess. Like it would be, there'd be all kinds of distortion. It just would be awful. So you have to make sure you're. You kind of want to side chain and do that ducking effect with um, almost every instrument, I would say. Uh, but th that's pretty advanced stuff. It's. Uh, I, I wouldn't think somebody just starting out should get into side chaining yet because you have to understand compression and how it works and what it sounds right. like. Right, which is why that plugin is great because you don't have to know anything. You can great. just drop it off. 
It's idiot proof. I love yeah, it. You just did the that uh, Killworth audio plugin. Uh, where is it at? I think it's on this one. So, yeah, you just literally drag and drop, and just the initial preset will give you that pumping effect. And a lot of right. times, like if I'm doing a cue, I'll just use you know I don't I don't bother with drawing automation or any of that garbage in. I just will just drop this on and use the initial preset a lot of times. Yeah, I'm tweaking it all, and it's good to go. It does that pumping, and I can't remember how much it is. Is it working Pro Tools by any chance? I think it does. Okay. Yeah, there's one plugin that I'm going to mention here that does not. Software Spatner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but this one I'm pretty sure it does work in, in Pro Tools. But yeah, you can just drop that in. I, I think it's maybe a hundred bucks or so, hundred and fifty. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, so you don't have to, because side chaining can be pretty complicated whenever you get in, you get into all kinds of settings with the compressor, and it's like I don't even want to do it. It's just a pain in the butt, and it kind of gets in the way of the. Uh, creative flow, in my opinion, especially if you're doing cues. Yeah, back yeah. in my day, when you'd you know set up side chaining with a patch bay and you know a couple of compressors, I mean, that would be an hour. Yeah. To set up the side chain and, and dial in everything so it sounded right. I can't believe that this is drag and drop. Yeah, yeah, just drag and drop, boom. I, I, so I highly recommend this plugin. Um, there's other ones out there like it. Ableton actually makes it really easy to side chain. You can just drop a compressor on there, and you just click side chain and set it to your kick. Uh, but even then, you you have to still you know mess with your settings on your compressor. So with this, you just drag and drop, and you can just toggle through stuff. Um, so I'd highly recommend that, and especially for cue writing, because it just makes it so fast and so easy, and it sounds good, and it smooths it out, um, and and keeps it out of the way of the kick. All right, let's uh, move on to the rest of the drums. Okay, so the rest of the drums. There's not a whole lot with the rest of the drums. The rest of it's just uh, like claps, snaps, and uh, hi hats. So I like a lot of times with uh, um, my EDM tracks, I like to use claps and snaps that sound a little bit more organic, um, so they don't sound so they sound like th th these clap samples uh, are from, I believe, a Motown pack. So they're actual, you know, people clapping. It's not like a synthesized clap. And the snap is from a hip hop uh, loop pack. So who knows about that? But um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you who knows track, where that was stolen yeah, yeah, from? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Um, but if you listen to it, it, it got, they don't have too much of a synthesized sound. It's got a little bit warmer, more natural type sound to it. And, you know, that's the snap. Oh, oh it's like snap. <laughs> the clap itself. I thought, I thought that was Chuck's neighbor beating on the fence. It's fine. It's just a, it's just a normal clap. See, that's not like my stove. <laughs> yeah. That thing is and then the hats. Um, this is a loop from a uh, from the Vengeance Deep House um, pack, but. I had to kind of adjust a little bit because it had a, it had like a rim shot in it that just wasn't working, so I had to kind of cut it up and move things around. But it's just yeah, it's just regular old hi hat. And I did some side chaining on that um, with the the, the Killworth audio um, plugin that I mentioned. And just to keep it more, because because whenever I bring you know the, the hats in, I've got all this other stuff. All this can get in the way of the kick, and the kick is kind of along with the vocals and the EDM track is like the star of the show. So you kind of have to make sure that it's, it's out of the way. Um, and I didn't want the, uh, the, the hi-hats to kind of get in the way of the attack on the, like the high-end part of the, the kick. Um, and then just the cymbal and uh, just a little sweep here for like the beginning whenever everything hits. It's just, uh, and again, that side chaining with the plug-in that I mentioned, so I just drag and drop. And then a crash, nothing special. And that's kind of it for the drums. 
So can you play us the, the kicks, the bass, and the drums just by themselves? Yep, there goes the guy on a motorcycle. <laughs> Sounds great. I guess the, the next part I'll go into is kind of like the uh, the pad instruments, maybe. Okay. Um, so really, where this started uh, with, with this hook part, um, after I did the drums or after I got the kick, is uh, with piano. I'm putting piano in, in pretty much all of these because uh, piano is you know it's a melodic but also a percussive instrument, so it, it can give a little bit of punch and attack to your track. And um, also, you know, piano's been around forever, so I, I think it can kind of help the track to maybe as much. Um, it's at least worth a shot. But yeah, I like putting uh, I like putting it in. So this is uh this is the um, first thing that I came up with after I got my kick sound, then I came up with this. That's what it was based on and then I added in So that that's a piano like re with reverse dynamics. Yeah well it's a uh, side chaining. Yeah. Okay, so, right. Yeah, again, I dropped, uh, I can't remember if I automated that one or if I used the plugin. I uh, automated the volume on that one. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's, you, you, yeah, most of these, you, when you're doing EDM, most of the, the tracks, you really need the sidechain to get out of the way of the, of the kick. Um, yeah, it'll be very few times where you're going to have something that you're not. Because otherwise, every time they're playing on the same beat as the kick, they're competing with it. Yeah. But you want the sound, the textural aspect of the sound, but without the percussive aspect right. competing with the kick. At least not whenever the kick's coming in. Like, right. So if you've got all this stuff layered in there and you're not side-chaining, then the kick's going to get completely washed out. Okay. And you're, you're not going to hear the attack and it's just going to sound like a jumbled mess. So this side-chaining, uh, it, it, the, the pumping effect um, gets it out of the way of the kick so that it can kind of... So then uh, I did use two um, Spire instances, and then I pan these hard right and left, kind of like you, like you would uh, in a rock track doing guitars. Um, and this is just to kind of like layer it up and fill it out a little bit. So it's the same thing the piano's doing, I believe. And then the last thing I did was I added a uh, just a regular saw, big saw type of and that really is to just kind of you know round things out um, I keep it pretty low in the mix um, because the big, the big saw sound has, has been done to death and actually that's fine for, for cues a lot of times that's exactly what they want so you could just kind of take that saw and maybe add another one or two in there and when you say saw, you mean a sawtooth like, wave synth? Yeah, like that big type thing. Um, but uh, for, for something like this where I'm, I'm doing a vocal song, I, I want to get a little bit of a different sound, so I don't want to just go to that kind of cliche uh, saw sound. Um, so all together, the pad would sound like this. <laughs> 
a base patch in a pack that I bought, uh, but I I kind of you know pitched it up and which is something you should try. Like usually you think oh it's a base patch I got to stay down low on the lower register on the keyboard, but some base patches sound really cool in the upper register and sound like a totally different instrument. So this I I did that with and uh, I thought it kind of sounded a little guitar like which was kind of cool. Um, so this is how the lead started. Is this. <laughs> Then I went a little bit more attack, so I added uh, one more sense to it. So, oh, let me play that one separate. So this is the other one that the second one that I added. Just to get a little more attack. And again, these are all side chains, and then together it sound like this. But not least, I like doing this a lot. Um, a lot of people do. I took some pieces from uh, the vocal. I think it was an I sound or an I sound. I can't remember. And then I basically I, I would cut one little piece um, right here, and then I would uh, I basically just layered it in with the lead and kind of pitched it to where it was making the same melody as the lead sense. So that sounds like this. <laughs> And all together, and the thing I like about doing that kind of thing is it, it again it adds because uh, it's a, it's an actual actual uh, voice and it adds a little bit of a, kind of a natural or more organic sound to what is mostly a synthesized computer track. So all together, the leads sound like this. <laughs> Can you play about 30 seconds of the track without the vocal in it? Uh, where do you want to start from? Um, chorus, maybe? If you were going to use this as a cue versus a song, you mentioned that you would start it after the more legato intro part. Yeah. Um, so would you do an A section? Would you use the chorus as the A section if you were doing yeah. it as a cue? Yeah. 
Um, and a short intro to kind of introduce the melody, like the lead melody, right? With the build, you know, with the uh, you know some some effects like rising effects or that with some like snares rolling up, right? Boom, boom, right there. And I probably I probably keep the 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 hook almost exactly the same, except for what I would do is on this part where the hi hats come in. that kind of second go around or whatever, I would probably add some kind of really simple synth uh, built, kind of leadish, but not exactly. Just to just to make it, just to kind of keep the energy uh, right. going and to give them something a little bit different. And so you wouldn't do the melody that the vocal would do in the song version because that might be nah, that would be too much. I think. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, and then then all I would do is after that I would probably uh, I would come to something that was pretty sparse. It would be more or less like you know just the drums and the bass. And it would, you know, over the, you know, however many bars, it would slowly build up. I'd add a couple things here and there, and then I'd go back into the book, more or less. That, that'd probably be what I would do. Um, Ken DePotter wants to know, are the vocals the only thing not being ducked with a side chain from the kicks? Uh, yes. In this particular track, yes. Yeah, the All vocals right. are the only thing. Have we heard every instrument now? I think we have. Uh... Well, yeah, other than, than these little lost in things here. Um, these are This is a Spire patch, too. Um, and they're the same ones I uh, just, again, I, I panned them hard left and hard right, kind of like a guitar, because I, because I thought they had that kind of wah guitar type sound. And that is it. Awesome. Uh, why don't you play one time from the top?
Yes, I, Carly, loved it. Loved the crap out of it. <laughs> awesome job. Um, okay, so here's what I'd like to do for the rest of the show is I'm going to move to the chair that Chuck is in, and I'm going to have Chuck go over there and join you on the couch. I'm going to point the camera at you guys. And, uh, Russell, if you are still watching the show, can you ask as the relay guy, because the chat room isn't coming up on my laptop, and can you pick out good questions and put them in the um, social stream and say, you know, like, Bob wants to know, blah, 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 and uh, we'll get the guys to answer them. How's that sound? All right, so, Chuck, if you can mosey over and join... Steve. <laughs> Steve's going to hit the bathroom. He's been chugging water all afternoon. All right. There's Chuck. Great camera work, huh? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Ken, I can't ask uh, Steve about tempos for EDM because Steve's in the restroom right now. Unless I can follow him in there. It can be like at the road rally. <laughs> so if anybody's got a question for Chuck because he's the, uh, the lone guy until Steve gets back. <laughs> Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you something. You and I met, um, how long have you been a taxi member now? 15 years? 16. 16 years. Uh, and the, the funny part that we always like to reminisce about is very early into uh, Chuck and I knowing each other, my wife and kids and I, I think, were in a Nordstrom's and Chuck was playing. He, he's like an A-level pianist. The guy is incredibly... Uh, talented as a pianist. He could just sit down at a grand and play all day. And that's what you did for a living, right? Oh, years. Yeah? Years. And, and that, was, that, that was my uh, day gig. And how has doing uh, cues for TV changed your life? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, yeah, I was doing Nordstrom every day. Sometimes I'd be there, gosh, six to eight hours and I'd go over and play at Houston's restaurant some evenings. So I was playing 12, 13, 13 hours a day sometimes. Wow. And I would come home and be like, okay, I'm going to write some music. I'm going to throw all my stuff on in my studio. I'd be like, ah, screw this. I'm going to bed. I was too tired. So I was like, this is getting old. So I finally was able to quit in 2000. Yeah. Because um, they offered this new, had this new program with the pianist and they gave me uh, severance pay, but you couldn't come back for a year. So I took that year off, and I got the taxi listings and just sat there every day and wrote music for the, for the listings. I learned so much that year. I had to go back the next year because I hadn't quite, quite taken off quite yet. But. There we go. I got you both in the shot. Um, and when you first started out, uh, what were the first, what was the first genre that you started doing cues in? Um, probably some sort of jazz or world. Yeah. 
You were, I can't remember. When you uh, were a piano player for a living, you were primarily doing um, like, uh, well, when I first met you, you were doing, um, what do you call it, New Age, right? We got you a record deal, I think, with uh, Ethereum Records as a New that Age artist? That was world music. Or world music, yeah. okay. Um, so, Steve, while you were in the men's room, uh, people, somebody was asking, what was the name of, ooh, where'd it go? Uh, shoot. A lot of people want to know what the side chain effect is. So what were you using for it again? Uh, so mostly what I use is um, it's a plugin called Multiband Sidechain Compression, and it is by a company, I think it's pronounced Kilworth, like K-E-I-L-W-E-R-T-H, I think. Okay. Um, and they have a lot of really great plugins, actually. So they have that one, and the other two that I have that I really like um, are one's called Glitch Bitch, and it does uh, glitch effects. And the other one that I use a whole lot is a tape stop effect, so uh, or a tape stop plugin. So to get that that tape stop effect, where you know it's like sounds like it's like stopping and slowing down, like, like that. That's a great one for that. They have all kinds of different versions of tape stopping effects plugged in there. And all you have to do is click the stop button. Um, so it's really easy to use and automate. So I'd recommend all three of those actually. Um, how many? songs or cues to you guys and obviously remember the thing that steve just played us is a song it's for a record um it could be edited and adapted to be a cue but uh let's just talk cues for the moment instrumental cues only how many would you guys say that you produce per week chuck let's start with you well it depends on the week per year probably better because some weeks i might not i might do a vacation or somewhere or whatever but 200 Okay. 50, I think a year is quite a few. Is. And how about you, Steve? I try to do. Uh, I try to average three a week. So some weeks I might do like twelve. Right. And the next week I might do two. You know, <laughs> but I try to average about three a week. Is what I, what I uh, the, when I first met Steve, I do remember like the first minute I ever met you at the road <laughs> rally. Uh, he he was wearing a T-shirt, a green T-shirt that was kind of the color of money and it said carries no cash yeah. and he was carrying no cash yeah. <laughs> as he tells the story he, he was uh fairly poor but what he had was incredible determination uh, i remember you walked up to me and said thank you so much for putting on this road rally um i have learned so much this weekend now i know what i need to do and i'm going to go home and do it and you actually said to me Someday I want to be up there on that stage on a panel, and he has been now a couple of times. Yep, yep. Um, so I, I I couldn't be more proud of these two guys. Um, let's see. Scroll down, uh, Stephen. Have you used Pro Tools? Would Pro Tools be good for EDM? I not really use Pro Tools much. I don't think Pro Tools is good for EDM, to be honest. Um, it's not that you can't do it. Like. I all the all the all the guys I can think of that are that are doing EDM like for a living, I don't think any of them use Pro Tools. They use most of them use Ableton's. A lot of other ones use uh, Free Loops. Like I know Avicii uses Free Loops, um, and then some use Logic. I think Mac J uses Logic, um, and those are kind of the three main ones. Mostly it's Ableton and Free Loops. Um, it's just Pro Tools, the, the MIDI thing with Pro Tools isn't isn't quite where it is with 
you know, those other those other GWs. I don't I don't think, in, in my opinion. And I mean, like, so for example, like with the with the the, the time warping thing. So like, um, like in Pro Tools, like Chuck has to use that sound shifter program, whatever, to change pitch and time. Mm -hmm. So in Ableton, all you do is just set your BPM on your, uh, just make sure the audio clips are, you got warp on, and then you just change the tempo in the DAW, and it changes all. You don't have to mess with the wow. program. And if you want to change the pitch, just double click the audio clip, and then just click on where it says, I think, frequency or pitch, I can't remember what it says. But then you just turn the knob up and down to pitch it. It's a lot more simple than, than yeah, I, I personally would not use Pro Tools for, for uh, EDM. I, I think that I can hear the, the pitter-patter of feet running to the local guitar center to buy uh, or just download Ableton. Um, John wants to know, how do you determine the BPM for EDM? So most of them are 126 or 128. That's that's kind of the most. So like if I'm doing a, an EDM cue, I almost always said at 128, that's the most common BPM. Um, but uh, so like that song I did was 126. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just kind of depends. But generally, if you're at 126 or 128, you're safe. If you want to make sure you're totally safe, 128, that's like the number one BPM used. Didn't you want to be a rock star when I first met you? <laughs> uh, that you... Was, so uh, that was my first, uh, yeah, originally. Um, not, actually, whenever I joined Taxi, I think I'd, I'd, gotten, I'd gotten past that whole thing. I just Because I'd played in a band and I realized that wasn't really for me. Um, but no, whenever I was younger, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I wanted to be, well, first when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a drummer, and then I started playing guitar, and then I wanted to be a guitar player in a rock band. Uh, but then I, I got in a band, and I'm like, well, it's like, this is, guy's good points, but I kind of like just sitting around in the studio writing, so the hell with this, <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and what was the first track that you got picked up by a library? What was the first, the genre of the first thing you got? hip-hop track. Okay, and what made you decide to do hip-hop? Um, well, I was actually playing in a hip-hop band at the time, so I was kind of surrounded by it. And to be honest, I didn't have the money to buy the equipment that I needed to do rock. Because to do, to do rock, I had the guitars, mm -hmm. but um, you know, then I have to buy some kind of an amp modeling software and all this other stuff. Whereas with hip-hop, you know, I had Reason, and I could pretty much do everything with Reason. And uh, 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 actually, it wasn't even a keyboard that I bought. It was a one from the 80s my mom had that she gave me. And uh, it wasn't even, didn't have, didn't have velocity sensitive keys. Wow. So, yeah, so so I found out that I could, I could I wanted to write, and the only thing I could really afford to write was, uh, was hip-hop. So that's, you know, <laughs> that it's not that I didn't like it. I mean, I liked it, I enjoyed it, I had fun, you know, writing it, but I was like, yeah, because I like writing, you know, I liked all all genres, you know, ever since I was, I was young. But, um, yeah, I was like, well, I want to write music, I want to do some rock, too, but I can't, so I'll do hip-hop. How about you, Chuck? What was the? Do you remember what the first track was that you got picked up and went, "Okay, I can make money doing this." Um, gosh. Well, I'll show my age here, but my first placement ever was on a soap opera called Santa Barbara. I was just a little punk kid, but it was like 1989, I think, and I found a publisher out here. This is way before Taxi, obviously, and he placed some of my songs on Santa Barbara. I'm like, oh, cool. I think they were more like tension-based. It's been so long, I don't remember. Um, but, had you made a lot of money prior to joining Taxi? I didn't know this about you. Uh, did you have a career doing film and TV stuff prior to Taxi? Um, not really. That was probably a 
about my only TV placements up until Patsy. I think. I'm trying to think back what took any other one. But the next big one was hip hop, and I was saying that story about the guy that hit my ride to MTV, and he's like, got my stuff, he's like, yeah, well, fuck, use your stuff. I'm like, Nine months later, I get my first big check, like 900 bucks or something. I'm like, oh, I guess they did use it. Cool. <laughs> like, I got to do more of this. How many placements do you think you get a year now? I am six shows away from 700 TV shows total that I've either done music for or had music in. Wow. Uh, how many actual placements uh, in a uh, quarter or in a year? How thick is your BMI statement? I don't have one. It's, well, I do or ASCAP. publishing, but ASCAP. Um, it's okay. It's bought this place, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, about 6,000 episodes total now. Wow. I don't know how many per year. Um, couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to filter out stuff here from the feed. Uh, Hi, Chuck. Any copyright issues with the Eminem guitar riff used in your queue? Uh, no. That came from a sample library, so it's free and clear. Okay. Um, yeah, that doesn't make that question doesn't make sense. Any more questions, you guys? We've still got like nine more minutes before I turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> uh, Peter R. asked, do you make your own kick by beating on objects like trash cans or wooden boxes? I've done that before. Um, hey, if making songs... <laughs> Somebody says you could be a stunt double for Henry Winkler. Yeah, when Henry Winkler was a lot younger. I mean, come on, look, look at Chuck and then look at Henry Winkler now. Have you seen him lately on... Uh, Royal Pains, he's, he's gained a couple of years. A uh, couple more questions, guys. They're taking them from the chat and feeding them to me here on social stream, so there's a little delay. One new message, okay. Uh, Musical Lucy wants to know, when did you both join Taxi? I joined in 1995, was there for a year, um, and then I let it lapse and joined back in 2000. So, ever since 2000 until now, I've been a member of the year. Wow. So, 16, 17 years. Thank you for that. 2007. 2007, so nine years for you now. Wow, I've known you that long already. It seems like it's been like five years. I know, me. I know, yeah. September of 2007. And you guys look pretty much the same as when I met <laughs> you. I, mean, I gotta say, these guys must be living healthy. Um, Chuck, do you always do five times A sections versus um, and a bridge for the hip hop genre? That's a really good question. So. Do, do all your kids all have the same yeah, format? This, that would just happen to be that way. Okay. Um, everyone's different. Um, that's, that's not etched in stone. How do you guys keep your work fresh and combat writer's block? 
the last one thing about TV is you can do genres. You're not stuck on one particular genre all the time. So it keeps things fresh. Like I could do something for love and hip hop. Totally different from something for catfish. Mm -hmm. So like one week I might be like, I'm going to do catfish stuff this week. It keeps things different. I like that. Do you watch the shows? Uh, I mean, at this point, you obviously know Love and Hip Hop and Catfish really well, so you know the kind of stuff they always mm -hmm. use. I'm always preaching to our members the best thing they can do is watch a lot of TV and take notes about the kind of music. Because people don't know, you know, like, oh, what do I do today? Where do I start? Is that good advice that I'm giving them? Very much so. Yeah. Take the shows, record them, and then listen to the music. And something you want to do, go over and try to emulate it, because that's what they're using. Just working on the show and try to do something like that. Um, let's see. You both seem to collaborate and live far apart, if I'm not mistaken. How often do you commute? It, it didn't give me uh, the whole thing, but uh, how often do you communicate, I think is what he's asking, versus commute. Maybe he's talking about, you, you guys don't see each other physically in the same town more than a few times a year, right? Do you collaborate often? We've collaborated a lot, and it's, it's, it's been very lucrative, too. I'm trying to get him to do some more right now, but he's been so damn busy, he hadn't yeah. got to him. I was supposed to do him on the plane ride. <laughs> but he thought the taxi thing was the very next day, so yeah. he's like, oh, crap, I gotta get this done now, so he... Well, and then the, the song that I originally wanted to do, a finished one, like, it wouldn't... Whenever I opened it up on my laptop, it just wasn't working. So yeah. I was like, crap, I need to do another one. <laughs> um, Simeon wants to know, how long did it take you to get your first submission accepted by taxi? Oh, I actually think I remember this. Actually, I think it was the very next month I got a forward. Wow. And I think that one might have ended up turning into a deal about six months. <laughs> I think. And that's fairly rare. I think so. Yeah, uh, you you I were so. not only talented but fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys know of any computer, com composers that are using Akai machines? No, I don't. Like the hardware? I um, guess. I don't know. Like the NPCs and stuff? Um, not, not really. Most everything is gone. And like a lot of those guys that were really into using NPCs, like I, like I know a few of them on. Um, like they don't do film and TV stuff, they just have uh, producers. They have actually moved to using like machines. Like, yeah. I, I know it's a die hard, you know, NPC guys that use machine now. Um, yeah. Use it I don't, for a footrest. <laughs> I, I did. I couldn't figure it out, so I used it for a footrest and I gave it to a friend. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys time. master your own material? I do. I do. Uh, yeah, for, for, for TV too. Um, trying to understand some of these from the chat. What are your favorite current artists? I saw a bunch of them at Coachella this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I guess I'll, I'll stick with the EDM thing. Uh, my favorite right now is Don Diablo, I think. Yeah. Okay. Definitely Don Diablo is my, my favorite. Um, Aona, or I, I can't pronounce his name, but is it important to have multiple stops 
or buttoned endings, edit points in your cues. I, I want to make a point. When you were playing your cue downstairs, you actually had a rest built in there. Uh, we've gotten submissions from taxi members that have rests that are like a whole note rest. It's just like it, you think the song stopped because the rest is so long. Yours was very short. Uh, and I think a lot of our newer members think that edit points have to be an actual like whole. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to sound natural, like it's part of the song. Yeah. It can't be like, what the hell is that? It's, it's got to sound natural. Yeah, people send stuff in that sounds unnatural because they've got these ungodly big holes. It's like, oh, there the editor can cut. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've tried to tell members in other episodes of Taxi TV that you don't need a hole. You, you can just cut on a kick drum. You could cut on, you know, anywhere in a section. Usually it's going to be on the downbeat of a verse or downbeat of a chorus. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be silence as long as they're, you know, you can cut right in front of the kick Something off. to give them, something to be creative with, the editors to be creative with. But, um, but you know what, I have one library that has me do some, some crazy stuff like that where like it'll be almost like a complete ending of oh, a song. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, then actually one time you even have me do it to where like uh, there was like the ending and then come in with like a separate intro. So it was almost like two songs in one. It was like the same song, but it was like two different intros. It was like the intro then the build up into the kind of book part or whatever, and then the edit point, and it was like a stop total silence for a bit. And then I started the intro again, but it's like I, it was only with one instrument that time, so it was like a totally different. So it just, it kind of depends. But in general, you always have to kind of think in general, like what is going to be the, you know, most, most common uh, and best thing to do with most scenarios is to have a shorter edit point that's not so kind of glaringly it's like that guy said we were talking about said this is production music it's not for your listening right. enjoyment to it's, listen to in the car it's a tool. it has to be that's like one of these really long pauses so yeah he's an exception uh yeah that's a really great distinction we were talking about it before we went live on the show today it's production music it's not a record mm -hmm. uh can you explain the difference in attitude or difference in I don't want to say well because you guys—it's not like you make crap and go. Ha, ha, I made another piece of crap, and they're going to use it on TV. Oh, we have before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but intention—not yeah. by intention. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying—that uh, you may not put as much into a, a track, uh, a cue, as you would into a record. Right. Um, uh, you were saying earlier, Chuck, that you know, like, don't get so mired in getting the sound because you lose the flow, just like. One, two, three, yeah, fourth bass sound sounds great. Let's go with that. Um, any words of wisdom for people, you know, starting out as far as this is what you can do to move forward faster? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, with so, so the number one thing is melody. Like, no matter, I don't care what kind of, what genre you're doing. Mm -hmm. like, even if you're doing orchestral film score stuff, I mean, like the Harry Potter theme is still catchy. You know, the Star Wars theme is still catchy. So it's all about melody and, you know, with cues versus a record. So like with a record, like, you know, I'm, I'm way more conscious of the, the mix, the master, of the sounds that I'm using, of not only making sure that it, it sounds current, but also try to do something that's maybe a little bit different, mm -hmm. whether it's rhythmically or sonically, you know, the different sounds or whatever. Whereas with um, production music, I'm still going for the same catchy, you know, like toe-tapping type of thing, but I'm not so focused on all that stuff because it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't matter as much. You know, you want it to sound good and you want the mix and master to be good, but you don't have to like kill yourself over it. So just think catchy melody, 
make sure the sounds are current, and you know, just be, be done with it. Not you know? every piece of production music has to have melody. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it depends on that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, drones and stuff. Yeah, obviously, you know that. A chord progression yeah. with a, a second thing just doing little cries or something over. Yeah, the Steve. Look at the Steve Barden episode yeah, we I was did. About that. Yeah, all he did was just chords and a little slide, and it was great. Um, have you guys ever had a song rejected for one taxi listing but accepted for another? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. I did a little song. Yeah. Uh, how many placements do you get outside of taxi? Well, I mean, I go to direct the supervisors and stuff that did the shows, so that's not with taxi. That's just myself going direct to these people. Uh, that's, that's different. That you met a lot of them through initial relationships from taxi, or some of them? Um, uh, no, actually, that was a long time ago from the MTV thing. Uh. How important is a subwoofer for properly mixing EDM or hip hop? That's a good question, actually. Um, so I don't have a sub, actually. Uh, usually, whenever I'm I'm testing my sub frequencies, uh, like I will do it on different systems. Like I'll do it in the car. I'll go down to my uh, friend's house who has a you know killer sound system. I'll hook it up there. Um, the thing is, so this is just my opinion on it. Like with subs, like for so for TV music, you definitely don't need a sub. Um, really, with with anything like it's uh, when you're, you know, people get into like what kind of gear they should have, what kind of monitors they should have, and all sorts of stuff. The thing is, is like as long as you have a pretty decent setup. really, really booming, you know, like on whether it's on like a friend's stereo system or it's in your studio. So I, I don't know that it's that important. I think your your room getting treated is more important than having a sub, to be honest. And then maybe get the sub. I don't, I don't think it's a 100% necessary uh, thing to have a sub, especially like if, uh, like, like whenever you, when you're doing your mastering, like if you want to, um, like the way I do it is I, I set up to where I, I separate my bands out. Yeah. Like I have, you know, high, mid, and low. And then I set the, the low everything above like 175, or I'm sorry, everything below 175 and mono. And I can just solo that and I can hear all the sub frequencies, especially in my headphones, cut everything else out. And then I can hear if there's something weird going on.
without having an actual sub in my studio. So I don't know, there's, there's different, I guess there's different uh, thoughts. Like some people have to have a sub, some people don't. Um, I guess it's just whatever works for you. Um, question from TuneUp. Do you like to use a template to start your cues? Sometimes. Depends. Okay, fair enough. How about you, Chuck? Sometimes. I've done that before, but most of the time, no. Um, let's see. <laughs> Fuller Music says, this is a great episode. More road shows. Uh, you have no idea how daring this is for me to do this. <laughs> I keep seeing dropouts. I can't get the chat room open. Scaring the crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> um, somebody asked, I want to make this one last question. Uh, piano Guitar Vocal asks, is your income from placements rising over the last few years? Um, it's kind of an up and down thing. Overall, it's rising. Um, I had a really good year. Uh, 2014 was a really good year. 2015 was down. Um, but I've talked to a few people who were down as well. This year is back up. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, I'd say it's, it's, it's rising. And even whenever I say it's down, it's not like I'm not going hungry. You know, right. like it's still I'm making plenty enough. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with. I'll say I'm happy with. You know, the the, the situation as of now. Uh, these I'm not going to give out any actual numbers. Um, I'm trying to find a delicate. People like to talk about their incomes, but both of these guys are making what I would call like dentist or doctor income. I mean, they're making what other professionals in other professional industries are making. They're making really good money, which has okay, always like speaker been... Speaker of the house. Huh? Like Speaker of the house. The speaker of the house. I remember that. Last time you were on Taxi TV, you guys said, you guys make what congressmen get paid. And I mean, look, that, that's the dream for our members. That's At least that was my dream for our members, is that musicians are professionals that have to work at their craft, just like any other craftsperson or yes. tradesperson or professional that has to go to law school or med school or accounting school. And it's it, a huge rush for me to see guys like you that, I mean, these guys are like egoless. Look at them. Look at the two of them. They're <laughs> egoless. They really are. And, and they're such nice guys. And they just, they work hard. They figured it out. It's, what they've done can be done by others and people get in their own way they it frustrates me as the owner of taxi when i see people that are worried about um mastering when they should be worried about melody or they're worried about the acoustic treatment they should have on the wall in their studio when they should be worried about just identifying a good beat and running with it it just i read a great quote the other day and I'm gonna mess it up but it was something about um, you need to get busy to get good and I thought that was some of the most brilliant advice I'd ever heard that just doing it over and over and over rather than dwelling on it you stand at the starting line going how fast do I have to run around that track just get out there and run around the damn track and if you run around the track enough times pretty soon you're gonna figure out you got to be faster than the guy next to you and you'll do it um, let's see, is reporting of usage automated in the United States? Here in Australia, it's still manual and unreliable. 
it's far from automated. Yeah, it's definitely manual and unreliable. Yeah, <laughs> it's done with formulas that none of us will ever, ever. understand. Um, Let's see. Uh, question from Lua. Uh, when you get placements, do you get more work from that same opportunity? Uh, yeah. Chuck is a man of few words. Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, those supervisors that you've met at yeah, MTV, they, they've been feeding you work for years, right? They like the stuff, and I keep using it. So. Right. Yeah, and if, if you have, like, if they find several things that they like of yours, they will, I've noticed, they will, yeah, they'll go back. It's kind of like, uh, like, I don't know, we'll think if you're looking through loops, and you know, like, you've got a ton of loops, and you know that you're starting a song, and you know that this particular company seems to have really good loops. Like, I know, like, for example, Vengeance, a lot of times will have the kick that I'm looking for. So I just go right to it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that can, that can happen, I would imagine, supervisors and editors too they're like all right well this guy has really good hip-hop stuff or whatever that usually works really well for this particular show like and they'll go yeah yeah and they'll go to that over and over again i asked one of your fellow highly experienced highly successful uh members that you're friends with probably a year ago i said why do you keep your taxi membership uh you get so much so many requests fed to you directly now why do you keep your membership and I loved his answer. He said, two reasons. Number one, I come to the road rally and I always learn new stuff, whether it's in a panel, in a class, or from my fellow members in the bar, which may be the best class of all. <laughs> uh, and, and the other thing he said is libraries go up and down. Uh, one can be hot one year and not as hot the next year, or maybe particular library is known for doing hip-hop. Another library is like acoustic guitar cues, that they each have a little bit of a brand name in the, the sonic palette that they are known for by certain supervisors. And he said, every time I come to the library, my goal is to leave with one new relationship with one new library, because other libraries will fall off. They grow old, they grow stale, or whatever. So I thought that was a really, you know, uh, good analogy call it was like planting corn he said that you've got to alternate rows or alternate fields yeah. um, do you guys see any of that in your careers where you're always looking for ways to keep fresh avenues open yeah yeah I'm always looking for uh, different companies like especially ones that are I know hitting markets that I don't necessarily have much exposure to or any at all yeah so I'm always because yeah cause it's, it's you know you have to diversified like portfolio and yeah some libraries are really hot one year maybe not so hot the next year and um, or maybe just one part of the industry is it like maybe maybe ads do really well one year maybe you don't do so well with ads the next year so you want to have you know you want to have reality shows you want to have ads you want to have trailers you want to have uh, international stuff you want as, as much as you can the more the relationships the more contacts you have the more your income grows yeah um how about uh, the trailer market let's make this the last Last question. Um, the trailer market still is one of the biggest paychecks, um, and everybody seems to be chasing the trailer market. Have you guys gone after the trailer market yet um, in your writing or production? And if so, do you have any tips for the viewers of the show? Um, what's the best way for them to learn how to do trailers? 
actually have it myself that much. I don't think you're really. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple trailers, um, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I wouldn't say that I go after the the trailer market so much. Um, yeah, it is a. It can be big paychecks. Like the ones that I have, they were small for. Uh, like what you get paid for trailers. What you think about getting paid for trailers? But it's still bigger than most ads. Mm -hmm. Definitely bigger than most TV syncs or even film syncs a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, but I've not really like focused on it because 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 yeah, it is it is a big check, but also there's a lot of competition and there's very few slots. Yeah. So um, I just you know I have a company that I that I write for that specializes in in mostly trailers and ads, and so I write for for him, and that's kind of the extent of it. And, and that's I don't really want to focus on it any more than that because I feel like I, I might be uh, kind of spinning my wheels a little too much on that because like why focus even more on that than that one company whenever I could do that and he can maybe give me a few trailers and then I can do the reality show stuff and then I can focus on ads as well. Um, Is the reality fun. show market your biggest income stream for both of you guys? I, I think so, yeah, for me, yeah. Well, cool. Um, I really can't thank you enough. First of all, Chuck, for opening up your home. Uh, uh, it, it, thanks, man. It, it's a beautiful condo in the heart of Hollywood. And Steve and I only get to see him once or twice a year. He comes in from Jacksonville. Yep. Um, eventually moving out here? Yes. Yeah? Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I think you've uh, enlightened a lot of people today. And I couldn't be more proud of you guys. And I can't wait to see you over a plate of sushi in about 10 minutes. <laughs> and see you at the road rally in a few months. Don't forget, you guys, the Taxi Road Rally coming up November 3rd through the 6th of 2016. And with that, we're going to sign off. And we will see you guys next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Mr. Chuck Henry, Mr. Stephen Baird, thank you both.